Where are we? We are in the beginning of October. Yes. So this is our September podcast. September, well, or August, September. August, September, yeah. We we slacked on the end of August. Uh Uh, Don't remember why, but yeah. (laughs) I mean, it could have been because the end of August, there's just a lot going on. Yeah. With uh, your birthday, there were some weather events. Maybe there was more stuff going on. I don't remember. Yeah, we had a uh, unusual, or maybe not unusual, but just a, An a anomalous, rare, a rare uh, tropical storm that hit Southern California, which was interesting. It was timed perfectly to hit on my birthday, <laughs> so. And it, Kind of ruined my my fortieth celebration because we yeah. were gonna go up to the mountains to this nice river that had like this cool clear water and Temba's, have like a Temba's fortieth birthday splish splash river romp, isn't that what it was <laughs> called? River splash. That sounds right. Yeah, yeah, we made like the cutest invite and scouted a dope little spot. Scouted a really nice location on the San Gabriel River. Is that what it was? Yeah. Um, and yeah, cool, clear water was going to be really beautiful. But then we got this tropical storm, but which then... wasn't that bad in LA. I think for most people in LA, I think I've heard of some spots that did get flooded, Yeah. but in the mountains, it was going to be a little bit more of a shit show. Yeah. And well, that area in particular, when I was like looking at the forecasts and everything, I went a little deep on like the specific part of the east fork of the San Gabriel River where we were planning on being was very close to the bridge to nowhere which if you don't know is a bridge that's built out um is that called the San Gabriel Valley or something is that us no no well farther up the river there's basically a bridge that spans the river and it leads to nowhere it was at one point going to be a highway for like the mining towns that were being established there but then a very similar anomalous um, tropical storm in 1930-something whooshed through that valley and ended up flooding this little valley and taking out all of the miners and the settlers who were along the banks there. And so they basically just couldn't finish the project or just decided to abandon the project. Well, the bridge is from another pa- earlier time or a more yeah. recent thing from the... Uh, the what what was the new deal part well it was the part of the new deal funding was because of the devastation of that yeah storm but they yeah they were building uh evacu- uh, uh nuclear nuclear evacuation routes out of LA so like the 2 Angeles Highway the 14 um i can't I can't remember the highway name i think it's the 38 or the 39 that goes uh, out from Azusa, those were all supposed to be evacuation routes mm-hmm. for the Cold War in case the big bomb hit. <clears throat> but yeah, they never finished. I don't think that's one. what the bridge was for, because the bridge was the it was already in the process of being made in the '30s. The nuclear bomb didn't exist in the '30s. I mean, oh, I don't so know. I don't know. When I went, I I went into up, a was... really deep dive about it. I don't think that that's what the bridge was, but we could look it up. We could okay. pause and look it up if you want. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> um, but anyway, I think I was getting, um, I was like looking at all that history and being like, well, we don't really know what's going to happen with this storm, but like, A, nobody does anything in LA when it rains. 
So it's not like we were going to do the party. And also, B, it could have got, it could have flooded down there. I don't really know if it did or not. I know they closed down the roads and, like, evacuated the riverbanks I mean, and everything. Yeah, e- either way, it's like... What are you going to do? Mountain, the mountains are where the rain drops a lot, and there could have been landslides and all that shit. So, yeah, I yeah. didn't have a birthday party. Also, uh, but, then... also <laughs> that, but also that part of the river was really, like... Uh, kind of, when we went up there to scout, it was really depressing how trashed it was. yeah. That's, like, another story, but um, I guess there's been, like, some more, like, increased activism recently because the river in that area has got has always been popular, but I honestly think because of, like, TikTok and stuff like that, it's gotten uber popular and really crowded and really congested, and people just dump garbage bags. Like, it's like a landfill along the road. It's really gross. There's not enough dumpsters too many people, too much garbage, and of course no one's packing it in and packing it out, because I guess that's just not, like, common sense or something for people. Yeah, I don't know. Remember people when are we, gross. Well, <laughs> and I was, like, so confused when we were driving along there, because I guess, like, I was so eco-pilled as a child. Like, my mom was an educator. I also think it's, like, or an environmental educator, and I also think it's, like, a thing of, like, the 90s of, like, kids being, like, super eco-conscious held in school do you feel that way i mean you were homeschooling so yeah i don't know you don't know yet. <clears throat> i think it was like a big thing if you were going to like certain after school activities i don't know again like maybe i'm just that way because like that's something my mom talks a lot about and teaches about and stuff but it's just hard for me to imagine littering like that you know like not feeling like a deep sense of shame and guilt like leaving a garbage bag somewhere you know what i mean is it just not like common uh, sense i don't know like not, i feel like not a lot of people have like a connection to the land and stuff like that so yeah i don't know i mean i've literally almost been hit by a piece of trash someone threw out their window when i they were drove by me while i was biking so yeah it's, yeah it's just people are gross <laughs> it always shocks me honestly in the river itself like we're even where we scouted i was like it wasn't that bad but i was like I'm definitely going to bring a garbage bag and, like, clean up before people get here, you know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Because it's, like, kind of gnarly. Kind of gnarly, but hopefully they just, like, add more dumpsters and or more trash service up there or something. Because it's a really gorgeous river and piece of land. Anyway, didn't happen, unfortunately. So that was the end of August. Uh, September... I don't even remember. Oh wait, what was also, going on. well, the other thing at the end of August was my my new uh, nephew was born. Oh yeah. Which was you know like a a remote event, but that was an exciting uh, news item, news bulletin yeah. from the week, like a like a week after your birthday. Virgo baby. Me, yeah, little Virgo baby. Baby Frankie, new to the world. I thought maybe it would be interesting to talk about what. Um, so it's my brother's baby. Um, and what my brother decided to do, my brother and a longtime friend of his who we grew up with in Northern Minnesota, someone I went to high school with, we were in like plays together, mm-hmm. drama club together. Was she in your grade? No, she was in his grade. Oh, okay. So a year. Two years. Two years. Two years. Um, and, uh, so they've been friends since high school I think they've become more close as adults and at some point they decided they were going to have a kid together um 
their relationship is strictly platonic. Obviously, there's a lot of love between them. Mm-hmm. But um, they're best friends. You were saying? I would I say they're good yeah. friends. I don't know if they, I don't know. I don't know how they how they <laughs> rank the hierarchy of their friendship in relation to other relationships. But um, they're good friends, longtime friends. And in discussion, they decided that they were going to have a kid together. Um, so I know they were beginning that process a while ago and and then I guess completed it with the arrival of the new nephew it's pretty dope yeah I think it's really exciting to see that choice that my brother's made he's a pretty like I I think like a radical relationship kind of person like he definitely uh, from my outside perspective I see him as someone who's trying to break down hierarchies in his relationships um and infuse a lot of like love and care into the relationships he has and seeing him make that choice knowing that he wanted to be a father and his friend wanted to be a mother and they loved each other and there's no reason not to do it yeah why not you know (laughs) um and more specifically that like you know sometimes people think that the only way to bring new life into this world is through a bond of romantic sexual love. Yeah, you know? this weird, weird idea of the nuclear family. Yeah. Just, I don't know. It's it's fine if that works for you, but I don't think it's that natural. I think, like, community is more of the way we have historically rate, had families as mm-hmm. as humans. Like, you know, we we all work together we all teach the young together we all teach each other together like Mm -hmm. something that like that model just feels so much truer to me i don't know maybe that's just me speaking out of my own bias but i mean i can't remember where i was hearing about it but the, the the idea of the nuclear family uh was made up to sell more shit basically um you know, this this idea of keeping up with the Joneses, like, having, like, these suburban families, urban families. I think it was more suburban, kind of, like, during that explosion. Like, instead of communally sharing, like, a lawnmower, like, mm-hmm. this family over here sees their neighbors have, like, a fancy new thing. And they're like, ooh, I need one, too. And this one-upmanship of material shit mm-hmm. instead of just oh, we all live in a cul-de-sac together. Like, how often do you use your fucking lawnmower? Like, once a week? A couple times a week? And it's just sitting there for the rest of the time where, oh, I can have it on Mondays. You have it on Tuesdays. The next person has it on Wednesdays. Like, where we can split the operating costs of this thing and then everyone uses it where instead of it just, like, collecting dust for the majority of the time that you have it. And then when you... Uh, extend that metaphor of like objects possessions commodities there's this concept of family abolition which like I'm very um, a novice at kind of researching and looking into but it's something that really um, resonates for me what I have read because it's sort of looking at that family unit um, from this perspective of uh, capitalism and commodification and how the child is itself a commodity Mm -hmm. where like it is also your possession your you know parents legally are 
possess their children, you know, um, unless they get taken away and then they're wards of the state, then the state owns the child. But uh, this concept of like child as object, child as commodity, and I don't even know, like, how, you know, that also has its roots in like humans as commodity, humans as chattel, and like a lot of uh, the history of like how we've how we've ranked who is and isn't a human. And with family abolition, I think I think, and I'm like distilling it to the best of my abilities. But part of that argument is that children are non-humans uh-huh. under the current family systems. They are simply property of, and they are meant to be kind of partitioned off into these nuclear families. And that's where, yeah, a lot of like harm and abuse and like a lack of accountability and transparency, like with a larger community and even within the family unit is like completely impossible um, because you're not accountable to anyone but the head of household, which is often not always, but it's it's the parents and often defers to the patriarch, although a woman can also be the patriarch. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's just it's I, I've I really resonate with I think it's I want to say it's Murray Bookchin who says that the smallest. No, it's not Murray Bookchin. I, maybe I'm like paraphrasing like a, a, a Murray Bookchin who's like an ecological socialist. Um, set, says the smallest unit of governance governance is the municipality, which means like mm. you know the small the like count the the township basically. Yeah. But I tend to think, and I think family abolition also falls in line with this concept of like the smallest unit of governance is the family. Yeah. Because yeah. it's the it's the microcosm of what happens from the top down. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you end up recreating this patriarchal structure, and who's going to be at the bottom of it? The child really the dog or whatever but like (laughs) like the you know it's like that like the the transference thing and the 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 dad hits the mom the mom hits the kid the kid hits the dog you know yeah um but it's basically just like a top-down hierarchical system and that to me is like one of the smallest units that that happens in and the child is at the bottom of that yeah absolutely like not recognizing like the personhood of kids Yeah. yeah it's like sets up programming them for this like system where you have to like respect an authority figure and mm-hmm. um not that not that you don't like respect elders or anything like that in like a more like what's the right word like decentralized relation a, a relational relational structure, structure yeah um but yeah, this thing where, like, oh, there's this figurehead, this boss, daddy, sky daddy, whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it, that t- dictates to you how your life is going to be. It's kind of gross. Yeah, and I do think, like, for me, I get uh, excited by the concept of family abolition just because I think it's so obvious how much harm happens within the family and how much that harm ends up, like, reverberating out to other structures to other systems it's like it reverberates from the top down but it also reverberates from the bottom up yeah 
you know, like if the president, let's say, as an example, was treated like shit when he was a baby or like a toddler or whatever, like some of that dysfunction, some of that like um, deeply codified like pathology is also going to be if if they get to a a position of position of power is going to be recreated it inevitably you know what i mean so it's like those the idea to me of like attempting to start from scratch something new even where there's not a roadmap because there's less of a roadmap for like you fall in love you get married you have a kid you buy a house you get divorced you have another family you know like that there's like a there's like a there's a there's a roadmap if you want to the relationship escalator yeah relationship escalators and a lot of that stuff is like kind of um articulated a lot better in like relationship anarchy models and 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 not models but relationship anarchy discourse you know and thinking of like how do you not just like follow this like preconceived path where you might know in your heart that like that there's there's got to be something better or there's something better for you or better for the people around you but like getting there is it's a it's a it's kind of like going into like the scary shadowy part of the forest you know what I mean Mm. Um, and not knowing like what's gonna jump out a little bit you know what I mean yeah. So, so I, I support and I celebrate people who are trying to find something else, and, and I don't think there is a right or wrong other thing. I think it's great to say, I'm ready for a kid. I haven't found, like, a romantic partner to do with it, that with, and maybe that's not even going to be the best way to do it. Yeah. Just, you know, being open to, like how it comes or yeah what's presented to you yeah i have another oh sorry go ahead no go ahead i have another friend who has also decided to have their second child using a sperm donor which like i'm really happy to see them take that option just given the other options that they were presented with Mm -hmm. and like recognizing like actually for me where i am at this time I want to honor my desire for another child, which they have the right to do, and also honor that, like, this, uh, I haven't found a partner to do that with me right now, and this option is available, and I can afford it, and I can do it. Yeah, it's, like, if it's something that makes sense for where you are, like, why the fuck not? Yeah. Yeah, so it's, it's really interesting. It's an interesting time in my life right now too just because so many people I know are having kids and getting pregnant and I'm like almost you just turned 40 <laughs> I'm almost turning 40 so it's all like very obvious that clock is tick tocking <laughs> the clock tick tocks and so many friends who are around my age are like all right you know I got a couple years it's time to get this thing done if I want to do it you know and I have conf- I have conflicting feelings about it oh yeah well, I'm not, this is not like a judgment on any one of those friends. It's a, it's a overarching feeling of like, I don't know, of like, 
I, okay, well, I guess I should just, like, disclaim it and say that for me, having a child has never been, like, an aspiration or something that, like, I looked to as, like, an integral part of my life path. Yeah. Um, so I have a hard time relating to, like, the desire for a child. However, I really do understand that that's a strong desire for many people. Many people, yeah. Yeah, so it's not, like, a judgment on that desire uh, at all. It's just harder for me to wrap my mind around. I think I, I have an easy... Yeah, I have an easier time wrapping my mind around, like... Uh, I want a child and I want to kind of just, like, do it my way. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but my way, yeah, it, I mean, everyone I know is doing it their way. It's just, like, I get, I think I get more excited when I see people sort of stepping outside. The, the conventional. The conventional, yeah. And that's just my, my spirit. You know what I mean? So it's all that Aquarian. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I think you're right. There is, like, an inherent part of both me and you and part of why, we don't our, like rules. <laughs> why our paths are, like, maybe better aligned, you know? Um, that we're not kind of trying to necessarily follow a blueprint. And that's, like, a little scary sometimes, don't you think? Um, maybe you're a double Aquarian, so maybe, <laughs> maybe less for you. I don't know. I mean, I, mean, I guess in some ways, because it's, like, you know, it's... I feel like humans are kind of hardwired to force, you know, like somewhere deep down in us for survival, like kind of going with the flow with the rest of our group is kind of like part of keeping us alive. So yeah, there's, there's times where it's hard, I think hard to kind of swim a different way than the group is when you're like, oh, it could be so much easier if. I could do that, but I feel like it's such a, like, deep down thing. I'm like, that makes me so uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. And, um, yeah, that I is think, the biggest thing. Yeah, I think maybe maybe the hardest thing is just, like, feeling uh, like a lack of people to relate to, yeah. I guess. Oh, yeah, so I wanted to pull up this article called uh, Why Can't Our Friendship Survive Your Baby? Because I think it's... Maybe just, like, a really timely concern that people our age are having, or those of us who are choosing not to have kids. Um, It's this article about kind of the, like, life phase of people around our age having children, and then those of us who don't, and this sort of gap in experience that happens, like you were just talking about, Mm -hmm. of, like... It's just harder to relate in a way. And I guess I found myself facing a lot of like the similar things that are like concerns for the author of this article of like, am I going to lose these friendships because I can't relate to the things that are like high on the mind of my friends now that they yeah. have kids, you know? Um, I can't relate to the current concerns they're going to have. They can't relate to maybe the things I'm doing with my life, you know? Uh, and uh, I think it's that thing you just said of like swimming against the current there's like a kind of friction there and like a fear for me that I'm coming up against of like are these friendships many of whom have been friends for like 10 or 20 years Yeah. am I going to lose contact or lose touch or lose the things that we had in common in our 20s and 30s you know what I mean Yeah. it's a very like scary feeling but I'm also just trying to make peace with it 
And yeah. Be like, I think this is just kind of like an, and this article kind of just like assuage a lot of my fear about it. It's like kind of just like a normal part of life that happens for some people. Yeah, it, it makes sense. Um, you know, uh, it, there's I'm trying to think of if there's anything else like having a kid's got to be such a like life shifting like experience like uh, unlike like many other things i guess that you can have happen to you um that yeah it's so much new stuff all of a sudden like your life just completely takes like a sharp turn that's how i imagine Um, it i don't know but that's what it sounds like yeah because it's i mean it's i don't know yeah are are there any other things that are can be like like disability yeah 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 you know like a, a a death of someone very important to you you're close to you yeah so death birth disability um i don't know i don't know um but but birth but, is something you've chosen which is like yeah, a big difference it's not, yeah it's or not, most in in the best case scenario it's something yeah, you've yeah 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 it's not always the case but um and i mean i think when we were talking about the articles uh it's, you know, something that's going to, like, take over your life for, like... Three years. Three years, five years until you yeah. can kind of, you know... This being can... is somewhat more autonomous. Yeah. It's no longer, like, a worm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's no, what no I... No hate to, this, to small children. No, it's just what we affectionately <laughs> uh, refer to infants as. Uh, but, yeah, they can walk, talk, and... Have slightly more autonomy. Yeah. Uh, and, I, and then I guess you can kind of, like, start finding what your balance is now that this is more of a part, more of a autonomous person. Mm-hmm. Um, they can do some things for themselves. Yeah. But it's still, it's, it's like a, yeah. It's a major shift in priority. Yeah. Which I will probably never quite understand. Like, I can have this new nephew... But that's nowhere near having a new child. Yeah. You know, like, that's... I get to be zany aunt. Like, I get to live my life and go to on vacation and, you know, it's not going to be the same. That's not... Yeah, 24-7. Um, yeah. I mean, so, I mean, this fear... I guess, like, the article really helped me feel, like, a little more... A little less scared. Um, we were at a friend's wedding last week, I guess. Mm-hmm. A week and a half ago. Um, and my friend is also pregnant and someone I spent a lot, who I have known for almost 20 years and spent a lot of time with in my thirties. And I said to her, I was just like, I'm really afraid I'm never going to see you again. And I wasn't saying that to guilt her out or anything. It's like genuinely a fear I'm having, um, because so many of the friends from that time period, time period are probably going to be pretty tied up in parenting for a little while yeah you know what i mean granted she doesn't live in the same town as me so it's not like i'm losing like a hangout partner yeah it's just you like, already don't really see yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Her that much but it's just kind of that feeling of like i don't know the uh, understanding and recognizing the priority is shifting but also re- i think i also said to her but like i read this article it says it's like for a lot of people it's like three years ish and then your friend will kind of like come back into the picture because they're like through the hardest part yeah the most sleepless part or whatever and are able to find a little more balance which you know totally fair i'm sure that's just like an incredible three years 
doesn't seem like enough time to make that transition. But it sounds like <laughs> on average, that's like what it takes to feel a little more like yeah. they can go back to You can start getting lives. a babysitter then. Sure. Like... Yeah, yeah. A little easier, yeah. Um. But yeah, it's definitely a choice that I'm feeling and that is at the forefront of my mind right now because the choice to be child-free made a lot of sense and still makes a lot of sense uh, but feels more high contrast now that so many people I know are, are having babies. It's like when we were it's all... It's all hitting right now. It's all hitting right now. Like It's really a lot of people in my life. A lot of people in my life. I would say all but a few of my closest friends. Um, some of whom are, cannot, will not have children because they do not have uteruses. But <laughs> I, gotta, I gotta worry about them. Well, I mean, you can always adopt, I suppose. I suppose, yeah, I suppose they could. And we'll uh, link to that article in the show notes, too, so yeah. you can check it out if you'd like I think to they read changed it. the title. They changed it from Why Can't Our Friendship Survive Your Baby to Can Parents and Childless People Be Friends? Why? They didn't like the right? original title. <laughs> it was like, was that offensive? I thought, Why Can't Our Friendship Survive Your Baby? I mean, I guess because that's putting the blame on the parents, and I bet a bunch mm. of parents complained about mad. that. I, I would guess. I feel like that author got a lot of shit. We heard uh, we heard her on NPR, but like it wasn't that great of a segment, honestly. Um, but yeah, um, lots of just like life stuff going on around me, and I'm like, you know, it, it's also like a cause for like reflecting on like what am I doing with my life? What is my baby? You know, because like I understand that. Uh, it's an incredible act of creation that, like, my body has the ability to create another human. That's really cool, you know? Yeah. Um, it's not a creative act that I feel very drawn to as a creator. <laughs> <laughs> but I do feel really drawn to the, um, the metaphor of creation, uh, the metaphor of, like, birth and creation, you know? Because I do feel like that is if I wanted to talk about my purpose here on this earth, like creation is part of my purpose and I'm choosing not to do the like birthing creation life purpose thing. So what do I want to birth into the world? And like, how do I put the amount of like intentionality and care and energy and, um, you know, self, uh, reflection and self growth that it, it seems comes probably with becoming a mother. Like, mm-hmm. how do I put all of that into acts of creation? Because I feel more strongly that that's what I, if, if you want to say I'm meant to do, that is how I feel. I feel like that is what I am meant to do during my time here. Yeah. I mean, not to get too woo, but I feel like just the act of existing is an act of creation you're creating yourself you know mm-hmm. like through the choices you make and the things you consciously or unconsciously choose to experience and the people you interact with like mm-hmm. all of our experiences all of our interactions those are all things we are like creating and co-creating mm-hmm. with everything and person that we share space and energy with like I feel like um, I don't know. I don't. I, I guess I. I don't necessarily ascribe to the idea that you like have to like have this like definitive mark you leave or anything. Because we we leave our mark with everybody, 
you know, like... Yeah. I don't know. I just have that... I have that chip in me, though. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, a, I'm an artist. Yeah. I really want to leave, like... It doesn't need to be something. It doesn't need to be, like, a, a bronze sculpture that's not going to ever deteriorate. You know what I mean? And quite frankly, I already know that I, and also you and I, have left a mark, an indelible mark, with some of the creative acts that we've brought into this world. Yeah, we've changed, absolutely. We've changed some folks' hearts and minds about some things, and they've changed us as well, you know? Yeah. So those are the kinds of acts of creation that really, like, um, satisfy me in the way that I think, like, birthing another human might satisfy someone else. And it's that kind of satisfaction that I'm seeking more so than, like, the gratification of, like, being in a museum or something like mm. that. I like to feel those instances of, like, what I brought into the world has. It's just the feeling of making the mark, you know? The feeling of, like, I mean, I agree with you. I think you don't have to, like, create some big thing to really affect people and change things and and shift and mold and sculpt the world as we know it. But I do tend to find a lot of gratification knowing that, like, something that I intentionally made that never existed before, a piece of art, has, like, uh, like it's a birthing of something new that affects people who come into contact with it, you know? Mm-hmm. So it just, like, I think those are the things that come up for me. Um... And also, like, maybe my drive to do that is different than yours as someone who has this, like, body that makes a, a whole other human. Yeah. I, I'm just spitballing. I'm not saying it is or it isn't. Obviously, everybody has a drive to, like, create and do different things in different ways, you know? Yeah. But there is something very ripe to me about the metaphor of birth that I do feel drawn to, like, enacting it in alternative ways, you know? Um, but it's not always easy to do that because it's like, I, and I, and it's not to say that it's easy to, to birth a child <laughs> at all. It's just also like we were saying earlier, a little more roadmapless in, yeah. in some ways. I mean, you can birth a child and raise that child in a roadmapless way. You know, you can bring that child into the world in a roadmapless way. But, um, I feel like the roadmap is like even... I don't know. It's... It's... Maybe simpler's not the right word, but easier, I guess. Because it's, like... It's like performing... Less... It's like performing a play versus writing... Improving a play. But not really. Because it's all... Improv. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I'm trying it's to think like of, like, a that metaphor. The, that there's, like, a pipeline already there. So it's, like, a bit... A bit smoother than You're going to be riding down the river with other people on that journey. Yeah. Whereas, like... As opposed to, like, yeah. If I'm creating something no one else has ever created before, let's just imagine I, I have the, like, the privilege of doing that in this lifetime. Um, there's not going to be anyone else there with me, and that's lonely and weird sometimes. Yeah. It's or really lonely and weird. Fewer. fewer. Yeah. Kind of like... <clears throat> I can't remember. I think we talked about this on here before, like... I was an illegal birth, like, because mm-hmm. it was illegal in the state I was born in to have your kid at home. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And my parents almost didn't give me a social security number, mm-hmm. which would have been really cool. You but it would have been, been a wild ride. A much like yeah, it would have been like a difficult, more difficult experience to not have a social security number. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because there's yeah, if you have one, then it's really easy to get into school. It's easy to get a driver's license. It's easy to get a job. Blah blah blah. Yeah, yeah. Where if you don't have a social security number, that's like a different way of navigating uh the world mm-hmm. at least you know in the united states where i happen to have been born if i was born in like some sort of tribal society somewhere else nobody has a fucking social security number it doesn't that yeah uh definitely would have been a different a different journey for you you'd have probably more perspective on like people who maybe come to this country without uh you know that same like documentation or whatever it would be maybe more like navigating that kind of scenario theoretically um but yeah it's definitely some choices we've made Uh and now we're here but you know what really like i don't know i guess brings me a lot of um assurance and like feelings of being on the right path uh a couple days ago we went to this event at mocha that was a kink out archive closing event oh yeah and the kink out archive is this library of like incredible kink fetish bdsm ephemera magazines books posters articles articles pieces of art just like all of this physical material spanning decades from just like you know thousands of kinksters and people over the years and something that's really i don't know that's just really gratifying to me to see that and i think i said that to you and our friend we were sitting with was like it's really gratifying to know that like we've we made like a a little mark on that world yeah it's a drop in the ocean you know at the end of the day looking through all these magazines and just thinking of these people getting their ad in there or having their little feature or whatever probably felt so photo shoot yeah felt so big and so fucking cool at the time and they made an impact because they were doing something really fucking different than the people probably most even more so than us like because it was more closeted way more taboo it was more taboo it was more closeted and like scary and like you could probably really get your professional life fucked up if you were found out like they just did a lot of stuff in the shadows that was so fucking brave to do that didn't have a roadmap, that didn't have a path, that didn't yeah. have, like, a, um, you know, a directional compass, you know? Yeah, I wonder, I mean, it's almost, like, from now, like, thinking back to it, I feel like I personally am probably, like, romanticizing it a bit. I'm like, wow, it must have been so cool to be, like, in the know back then. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm sure a lot of, a lot of it, like, really sucked also like I can't remember who it was I think it was one of the speakers was saying I'm just old enough to have experienced like a raid on like a kink space like yeah that's not something we have to ever worry about like fucking cops coming shutting down a dungeon and then like yeah getting your name in the paper for being a pervert a pervert bust Yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah no definitely but I mean, we have I'm other sh- concerns, like yeah. surveillance and digital, you know, shutdowns and things like that. But yeah, 
um, yeah, it just made me, like, I guess just, like, broadening it, though, like, just thinking about, like, that was a big room of people who were kind of doing their own thing, too, and, like, that's really gratifying for me to remember that that is kind of, like, a, um, a home, you know, like, Mm -hmm. that those people who are invested in that stuff are not exclusively like family abolitionists or exclusively queer or exclusively you know alt in these ways that are maybe interesting to us but there's there's definitely a lot of intersections of people who are exploring other paths and other ways of being and other ways of creating family and creating community and trying to find uh trying to find ways to uh rebuild or like un uh break down some of the like more harmful systems yeah just yeah live in a way that's more authentic to them so as much as it feels like we're alone in some ways because we are kind of trying to carve out our something that feels authentic to us like we were at a um uh we were at a very kind of not not very but like a a pretty traditional wedding Mm -hmm. right and it was kind of great because in a way uh you could tell the bride and the groom weren't that like inured with the traditions (laughs) either like they were just kind of doing it for their families or whatever going through the motions yeah so it's not like this was like some kind of like bridezilla situation where it was like dream wedding needs to happen it was just kind of like the family wants this, we're going to do this thing or whatever. But it was interesting to be in that, like, space of deep tradition. Do you want to talk about the, like, lodge that the wedding happened at? Oh. Or the, the club? Yeah, it was, like, a members-only club that had, like, lots of, like, Ex- stolen, like, tribal artifacts from various indigenous people in Africa and, like... A lo- bunch of, like, mounted exotic animal heads yeah. and feet. Full full bodies, too. <laughs> like, rhino feet, ostriches, uh, water buffalo. There's all kinds. Warthog, it, mountain goats. A baboon, a baboon. Wearing a necklace of, like, conch shells or something. <laughs> Just like, what? Just some, like, yeah, 1800s stuff. <laughs> and it was, like, a men's club. So there's just, like, a lot of, like... Ma- patriarchal energy I'm gonna call it and it was like a wedding which is like a patriarchal I don't know in my opinion often a it can the traditions are very like patriarchal constructs of like I give you my daughter my property property, which as we said like that is the basis of wedding is like my children are my property and the basis of the wedding is I'm giving my property away you need to give you this my property which has a womb for you to continue your property. Well, and that, and it's the site of primitive accumulation, the body, the woman's body, the uterus, you know, like it's it's where capital begins. That's why it's also the to me the smallest unit of government because capital begins in the womb, in the home, in the family, you know. But yeah, it was pretty wild. Just the space, there was a lot of that energy I asked this really sweet guy who was like hanging out at the front desk i was like what is this door over here and he's like oh that's the old slave door this building had a lot of like like slave entrance basically this building had a lot of like gross old good old boy yucky energy (laughs) in it it was really a lot and then for it to be the site of a wedding was like whoa whoa um 
but and very entertaining at the same time. I yeah. don't know that we'd often be in that. <laughs> you know what I mean? We, you know, drank our champagne and had a great time. And you got to be a bridesmaid oh, yeah. for the first time. Which is How also... exciting. I was so anxious. You can attest to this. Yeah. I was so anxious going to this wedding because I just feel like... I, I've never been in a wedding party before. I've only been to maybe two weddings before this. Mm-hmm. I mean, as an adult, I think I went to weddings as a kid, but I don't remember them well. But, uh, yeah, I was a bridesmaid. I was uh, uh, wearing a matching bridesmaid dress. Did we have flowers? Oh, I guess we had a bou- yeah, bouquet. We did the pictures and all that stuff. I was just very anxious about it because I guess I'm just... I think I just get anxious around, like, normie rituals a yeah. little bit. And that's not shade on my friend. Like, it's just the... It's just that's what the event was, you know? Kind of like, I mean, maybe correct me if I'm wrong too, but like big social gatherings too. Sure. I feel like I've noticed. Oh, sure. Maybe it gives you a little anxiety. Oh, I definitely get anxious. And it's just more like if I don't know like what's expected of me and I don't know if I'm going to like do the right thing. Yeah. And you didn't know like how big of a deal it was. Yeah. Like, when we got there, like the bride and groom were just, like we said earlier, we were more kind of like, yeah, it'll be okay. <laughs> I didn't know if I was going to like ruin my friend's wedding if I like, if I, like did the <laughs> Said wrong. the wrong thing. Or... Yeah, just like did the wrong thing or like messed up a tradition. And like I should have known better because that's just like not who she is. But yeah. like, you know, I also didn't want to upset family yeah. or whatever. So yeah, I definitely was had a lot of anxiety. Also, just like socializing for three or four days straight is like a lot yeah. for me, you know. Um, it was a lot of with like a lot of people you don't know. Yeah, too. yeah, a lot of small talk and stuff. So we got through it, and I definitely cried at the wedding because that's what I do. <laughs> I wept and wept. Creepy girl. <laughs> I wept off. I got a full face of makeup done earlier <laughs> in the day, and then I wept off ha- just one just one side of my face was weeping <laughs> not not the right side just the left side like a bunch of tears i wish i could have seen it you were on the side that wasn't weeping uh, oh and you couldn't really see me yeah i like after i was like looking around for you i was like where is she but like, you didn't I even text... see me no you like beelined it out they of made us they made us go uh, hide like that's part of the tradition is like we, you have to go to a room and like wait and oh. then may, like, make, like, a grand procession back down. Oh. That's what the wedding planner said. Yeah, I didn't know. Oh, I didn't know that. Or at least that's what she had us do. She was like, we just need to hang out here so that, like, people don't all swarm us when we, uh, or, like, stand, when they all come outside. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, so I just cried on one side, and then I had to go to the bathroom and wipe off all my face. <laughs> and, yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a mess, but. That's the first time I saw you with, like, a full face, too. Yeah, yeah. What'd you think of that? Wait, can we talk about that and Love Is Blind? Oh yeah, I was actually. No, we shouldn't spoil it though. If someone hasn't watched it, let's just say spoiler alert. Spoiler alert! If you're watching Love Is Blind, the 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 most recent episode of the latest, uh, as of October third, Love Is Blind. (laughs) Um, this like one of the couples breaks up and like part of the guy's um excuse. For like not well, feeling her. Well, for acting her. really weird and awkward. Yeah. He said, <laughs> like, just through this weird, out of I nowhere, loved it. out of nowhere fact that he wasn't basically wasn't into her full face of makeup because he thought she was like hiding or being fake by more specific. More specifically, makeup. when they finally see each other, 
after like falling in love without seeing each other in the pods then they meet face to face for the first time and she wore a full face of makeup for their first meeting so that's when he was like his first impression of her was like oh she's fake she wears a full face is this gonna be her every day and can i handle that and to be perfectly fair (laughs) no shade to full face wearers but i do understand if that's a turnoff for you it's okay. Yeah, I think it's, it's okay. Up, it's up to it's up to the person to wear a full face. You can't. The fact that he told her she shouldn't is fucked up. Yeah, I mean the way he went about communicating that was, was not the greatest. Yeah. But yeah, if you're not like it's that's that's kind of like one of the things of being able to see someone. Like you could meet that person and see them and perfectly accept them and be like, yeah, that's not someone I would date because I for whatever reason this is a I'm, big turn off. I'm not me. attracted yeah. to a, a lot of makeup. Of makeup. Yeah. Uh, which is, I kind of think, think, I think it's kind of okay. It's like, if, it's a valid preference. I yeah. Guess. Let's say, let's say like an alternative is like, he wears a ton of cologne or something and you cannot be around someone who wears a ton yeah. of cologne and you're like, you can't wear cologne. And they're like, this is a big part of who I am. I'm not going to stop wearing cologne. Or, or even the other way around, like maybe it's a little more stigmatized. What if he was a guy that wore makeup sure. and she was like, I'm not into guys that wear makeup. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so anyway, you saw me in a full face for the first time. For the time. first time, yeah. What'd you think? I don't know. It was a lot of makeup. <laughs> <laughs> it was a lot of makeup for me. I, I don't think that I look good in a lot of makeup. That being said, I did wear, I did wear like full foundation every day for years, but not like that. Yeah. That was like primer concealer foundation powder setting. highlighter setting spray another setting spray it was like shallot it was yeah it was, it was a mask yeah <laughs> i thought i looked a lot like my mom yeah i think that's because my mom wears a full face most days so that that that's what that looked like to me it's not really my thing but i mean you it was, like i you. like you getting my makeup like you with a lot of makeup on like, i enjoy the, like the pampering aspect of i don't have i mean i will I enjoy makeup. I think there's a lot of, maybe not quite like that deep, but I think, yeah. especially like eye makeup, I think is really yeah, there's fun. there's ways like, to do it that are really cute. Yeah. Like, you like to wear makeup some fun, too. Sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Some fun eyeshadow, like mascara, eyeliner, whatever makes you happy. Yeah. I don't yeah. Know. <laughs> I, I'm, the most I'll do is like concealer, mascara, maybe eyeshadow, eyeliner, lipstick, Maybe a little I think, blush. I don't know. But I don't do... Like, like, I, I can't do full foundation contouring anymore. and stuff is like... Anyone's right. A, a, anyone's right. A bit, anyone's right, but it like, can be a bit much in person. It's great for photos and stuff. But yeah. Wherever the fuck that makes you happy I definitely, I definitely like, wear a lot more for photos, and that's also why I thought we were doing... You know, we, we got our makeup done for photos, but that's yeah. why I had to take it off before I went up and socialized, because I knew it was going to feel really insecure talking to people with like cracking paint (laughs) which it was it was like cracked paint basically so i feel much more comfortable without makeup than with yeah like sort of heavy makeup but yeah it was really interesting it was really great to see my friend before she embarks on having a baby having a babyhood and and so many of my friends are moving into babyhood um but that was uh, also really nice to get to travel with you again because we haven't traveled for three years. Yeah. Um, and then we also have another big trip coming up in a couple weeks. So it was like our little like getting our traveling gears lubed up again <laughs> after Warmed a break. Up. Yeah, after a break. 
Um, we're heading to Bali. Finally. Finally. To, to visit s- my mom. Again. Yeah. To see Tamba's mom in um, Abud. Yeah. And, yeah. That'll be fun. Hopefully we'll have some, we'll, we'll have some interesting yeah. podcast episodes from that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd like to talk to my mom a little bit. Are you like, going to bring this? Yeah, I'm going to bring this set up. So, yeah, hopefully we'll... We can get a little podcast talking to my mom. Mm-hmm. Your mom's a uh, groovy lady with a lot of... Oh, she's a fucking weirdo. I- interesting like, experience. Where, where do you think yeah. I get... Both my yeah. parents are fucking weird. Like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh. <laughs> yeah, so we'll come back around to that probably in... I feel like we could get like a few podcast stories out of that. We'll see. (laughs) The trip in general. I don't want to put any pressure on it. True. You know, we might just hang out, but. That's true, yeah. Um, But yeah, that'll be fun to travel again uh, with you somewhere international again. Somewhere neither of us have been. Yeah, I have. So uh, I feel like everywhere we've been has kind of been. We've at least been. At least one of us. The country. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be great. Um, what else is new? You're working on your bow. You finished your bow? I finally finished my bow that I did completely from scratch from, like, a piece of a log, uh, which is really cool. It's an Osage orange bow. It's really quiet and fun to shoot. Whispery. <laughs> um, and hasn't snapped yet, but I haven't, I haven't actually used it a whole lot either. Um, but this will be much better than the board bows I was making before, so... Cool. Said for that, I need to take photos of it so I can you at least document shoot. it yeah. before uh, before anything happens to it weird. Um, and it, we're in deer archery deer season in uh, this LA. weekend, so you're gonna start. Actually, hunting. it was last month, oh. September. Yeah. Uh, so I think yeah, this weekend I'm gonna actually go out into the woods for the first time. Cool. Trumps around. Probably I won't see any deer. If I see a deer, I'd probably be lucky. But yeah, I, I highly doubt I'll get to take any shots. But who knows? Maybe I'll fucking get lucky. Yeah, do you feel... I, I feel like you've been saying I probably won't get close enough to take a shot. But yeah. if you are, do you feel confident taking a shot if you have the right... I mean, there's so many fa- so many variables. variables. Yeah. Like, I mean, if I feel like I can make it, I definitely will. Yeah. Uh, But... Yeah, there's just, as a completely inexperienced archery hunter, there's just so many more, like, variables and factors than rifle hunting. Yeah. Just, like, the needing to be so much closer yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> is, like, such a different thing and so much more challenging, which, I mean, if I can eventually be successful at some point in my life doing that, I, th- I feel like that will be like a huge accomplishment um and yeah how gratifying will that be to know you like created most of the weapon from scratch and like it's your it's your body yeah it's like the strength of your body and the the i guess the technology it's gonna be yeah a lot like i can't remember what what i was listening to a podcast or talking to someone but yeah a lot of people think or there, I feel like there's a misconception that, like, hunting is, like, really easy. But it's, I guess it depends what type you're doing, but it's really fucking hard, especially for what I'm interested in, like, backcountry spot and stock is mm-hmm. incredibly difficult. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. 
Maybe you should it's take a, the recorder out there with you, too. And just, like, talk. Just talk here <laughs> and there. Just to get, a, like, a little, like, uh, room tone. I guess I could, ta- I could take, like, voice notes on my yeah, phone. Yeah, but... take some voice notes. It'd be interesting. Uh, what goes through the mind of a hunter? It's Spotting probably, and stalking. It's just going to be walking, me walking crunch, around crunch, a lot. <laughs> yeah. With my tiny little binoculars. Yeah, that's exciting. See if you, I can see anything. Because you've been working on the bow for a while in anticipation of this. Yeah, it was a many, many, many months project because I had to like dry my stave out and like slowly dry it out. Otherwise, like, if you dry cleaning. it out too quickly, it'll crack. Chasing the rings was a new experience, like growth rings, like the back of the bow I'll, I'll try to explain what I see you doing because <laughs> it's a little less technical but it looks like you have like a, a blade with two with a handle on either side and you're just slowly shaving off like tissue paper thin uh, strands of it yeah so that's the draw knife and the back of the bow is like kind of what faces if you're holding a bow the belly is what faces you, and the back is what faces out in the direction you're going to shoot. So that back of the bow for the type of wood I'm using has to all be on the same growth ring. And you can only do it one teensy tiny ring mm. at a time. Uh, yeah, so you, you remove, or at least for me, because I'm a beginner at it, I only remove like one ring at a time just to make sure I'm still on the same growth ring. Some people can do multiple rings at once, mm. but I was too nervous about like losing track of which ring I'm on and mm-hmm. fucking it up. Especially, it's like not a cheap piece of wood. Like I got it, I got it decently cheap on eBay, but to like fuck it up in that portion would be really frustrating and like have to go and see yeah. if I can win another auction on eBay for a like affordable piece. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, like some of, some of those like Osage bow staves are like easy $200, $300. So like, yeah, I wasn't trying to like have to start all over again, especially given the time it takes to like, just have it like dry out yeah. stuff. But I did it. I fucking made a bow from scratch. You did that. <laughs> my first, my first legit one. Let's from... make sure to take a picture before you go hunting. Yeah. Just to be safe. Okay. What are you, um, there's something boiling on the stove right now. What are you making? Oh, I guess this is a little bit of a collaboration. Yeah, this is the elderberry, marionberry wine. That elderberry, marionberry. Yeah. Marion elderberry, berry. Two different berries, one wine. One wine. Uh, Two berries, one wine. <laughs> from a vine in the alley behind our house uh, that Genevieve found and has been like... I've been surveying it for a year waiting to see when it would start fruiting. And then I started going every two days for about a month and a half, maybe two, actually two months, I think. Yeah. Every two days for two months. We went together some of the times, but I also just went every day, every two days, pretty much without fail. It was a really nice two months. Collected like a good five, six pounds of Marion. Four. We measured it. it. Oh, four four pounds pounds of Marion berries, so. Which is like $100 worth of Marion berries. It's a lot, a lot of berries. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's on the stove right now, pasteurizing. Um, you also put elderberries in there, which we also gathered together. Yeah. Up in the park. So it's going to be a, a split, split base wine. <laughs> what 
What do you think it's going to taste like? Is it going to be dessert-like because uh, of the sugar, or? I'm going to actually, I'm going to actually use champagne so oh, it's going to be dry. It. Yeah, I don't really like sweet wine, I so. don't either, I don't either. Uh, yeah, I'm going to do, uh, yeah, it should be pretty dry, but also sparkling. Cool. It's, I don't know, I, lo- I like sparkling wine, yeah. even for, like, yeah. red wine. Yeah, <laughs> no, sparkling wine's good. Bubbles are fun. Yes. So you've got that, and uh, let's see, I'm working on a, a baby mobile. Oh, yeah? My for first. <laughs> brother's baby. For baby Frankie. It's looking um, cool. Yeah, it looks good so far. It's uh, I cut a bit off more than I could chew by saying I want to make a a leather-tooled a leather tooled <laughs> baby, baby mobile. I've never made a baby mobile before, but I finally got to the, like, balancing it and making the structure of the mobile the other day, and it's really not that complicated. The leather tooling is going to be... Uh, a lot of work, I think, but I think it's it's a it's a worthy project to like uh, trigger my tendonitis for because <laughs> <laughs> I have to be careful. The leather tooling definitely is hurts a, people. It hurts, hurts you specifically. Yeah, it's just like when you're gripping onto like a tiny tool for a long period of time, it's hard oh. on the body. What uh, what images are you gonna put on the pieces of leather leather that the baby will like look up and see? Uh, Do you know? I don't know. I I kind of have a plan. I have to. I have to, like, I have, like, a big folder of plans, basically, but I think some of them are going to be leaves, so some of the ones that are, like, leaf-shaped are just going to be leather-tooled leaves, because that's a little easier on my hand. Um, There's going to be a couple, like, very intricate, like, Western floral designs. Cool. And then I might sneak in a couple of those, like, scary little cartoon creatures <laughs> yeah i'm like the ones you've been drawing your whole life the ones i've been drawing for the last 20 years because i don't know though because like i've been thinking about it from the like i've the other day you saw me laying down from below yeah i'm trying to think about making this art from the perspective of a baby is really interesting to me i'm like you know there's a certain point in the child's development where like they might not be able to focus they're not able to focus on certain shapes or like colors until like this one moment when they do and i'm like how interesting will that be if they happen to be under that piece of art when they can like when they're when they like cross over the threshold from (laughs) from worm to human you know like if you know what i'm talking about if you know you know if you've like hung out with a baby and you're like you're like an alien like this isn't really (laughs) like you're not here yet but then there's, like, a moment where they're here. And I just, I don't know. I'm trying not to create anything too scary or disturbing, but at the same time, I'm like, how trippy would that be if yeah. that, those, like, weird little cartoons were, like, in their mind's eye? I feel like, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like scary is kind of, like, almost, like, cultural. Aside from, like... It is. You're so right. ...ingrained things like, oh, like, snakes... Or, like, cat, like, big mm-hmm. cats. Like, I feel like those are, like, maybe, uh, what's it called? Like, generational, instinctual, instinctual like, yeah. things. But, yeah. Like, I, because since I grew up without, like, TV or movies or anything like that. You miss a lot of the Like, cues. those cute, yeah. I mean, I think I, I started to take some of those on. But I know, I remember, like, people describing, like, scary movies to me when I was younger and I'm like wait what yeah I don't what's what's weird about that <laughs> you want scary movies yeah but you but, know yeah no you're right I mean scary is definitely relative yeah 
I don't know. So I'm just kind of, I think I'm going to be pretty intuitive about it, but I've definitely been, I think, just thinking about, like, what... Also, like, one thing I've been thinking about after we saw that movie the other day that was, like, set in Southeast Asia, um, we saw the movie The Creator. Yeah. It was set in Southeast Asia, I think Thailand, maybe, for the most part. And I was thinking about, like, Western motif versus Eastern motif. Like, just as, like, a generalized concept, because the leather tooling is called West... The, the kind that I do is called Western tooling. Yeah. And just, like, thinking about patterns and aesthetics and craft and how that becomes replicated and passed from generation to generation, how this, like, you know, somebody invented that motif at some point, but now it just belongs to all of us. Yeah. And then... I'm imagining and just like watching that movie, just thinking about the motifs we're going to see in the architecture and the decoration when we go to Southeast Asia, things that like we're just not inundated with or surrounded by now. Yeah. And I could see that being a source of inspiration, but I'm hoping to have (laughs) the mobile done before then. (laughs) So we can send it. So we can send it. But then I was like, oh, but there's going to be somebody interesting like uh design you know inspirations when we go there but that'll probably maybe that'll just be something that becomes a different leather project just thinking about western motifs is something that was occurring to me and like how that will change going somewhere where we're yeah really immersed in something one could call more eastern motif you know or yeah I know that that's like a broad range, but so is Western in a way, you know? Yeah, it'll be very interesting. I'm excited to see the wood carving because, yeah, the wood carving, at least that I've seen in like pictures and stuff in Bali is like fucking it's mind blowing. <laughs> it's mind yeah. blowing. I'm like, I can't even, like, yeah, sometimes when people are like, oh, your woodwork's so cool, I'm just like, you have no fucking clue. Yeah. I, my woodworking was dog shit. The, in, the intricacy that master... Yeah, they're not even, like, mo- most of what I do is, like, power carving. Like, they're doing fucking, like, chisel. I'm yeah. just like... Oh. I wonder if that's something we could ask your mom about, if there's, like, woodworking class, like, a woodworking workshop or something. Would you maybe. be interested in doing, like, oh, chi- a chisel workshop with, like, a, a, a master carver? Maybe, yeah. I mean, I'm sure that stuff takes, like, years to learn, though. Yeah, I know. But I'm sure sure there are some people who offer that, because there's probably an an interest with the amount of tourism there, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I'll be excited. We have some fun things brewing, doing our little things, living our little lives, making our teensy tiny babies everywhere (laughs) we go. (laughs) And, yeah, expanding our world, trying to get out and travel and remember that fam- family is family is uh, bigger than a couple people in a house right? It's true it can be if you want it to be so that's it for now transmission complete bye friends thanks for listening to Cosmic Halitosis if you have questions or comments or want to yell something at us email us at cosmic with a k halitosis cosmic halitosis at gmail Please subscribe and like the podcast. And you can follow us on our personal Instagram accounts. I am Gorgeous Taps. And Temba is Tembizzle. T-E-M-B-I-Z-Z-L-E. Thanks for listening.